so this woman, uh, her name is uh, Cindy, Cindy Mullins. She was a nurse, or is a nurse, uh, in Kentucky. She's married, she's got two boys, she's 41. Uh, before, right before Christmas, she went uh, into the hospital for, uh, to have her kidney stone removed. Uh, it was supposed to be very routine, routine uh, procedure. Uh, however, there were complications during the procedure which led to an infection that then caused uh, septic shock. Because of that, they had to amputate her legs uh, from the knee down without her even knowing it. Uh, this is how critical an emergency it was. So when she woke up, um, the doctors explained to her that they had to take her legs and then explained to her that in order to save her life, they were now gonna have to take her arms from the below the elbow. I remember uh, I, I saw this in a, an article in the paper just three weeks ago maybe, and uh, all I saw was a uh, uh, quadruple amputee, I think, and I was like, what? So I, I saw that in the headline, so I read the article and I just, I couldn't believe it. Um, kidney stones, and now you have no arms and legs. And there was a, I was so struck by, like I said, the, uh, the headline and then reading it, I didn't even realize there was a picture right next to the article. And she's, uh, she's in this wheelchair after all of the surgeries, the amputations. Her legs are gone below the knee and she's kind of has these, almost looks like these huge mittens on, but you can see her, they really, be, up to the elbow. And in this picture, she's smiling. Like I, I, I did a double take when I saw her smiling. This is some of what she said in both this article, and then I, I looked her up, and there was a video with her and, her and her husband, so this is a combination of what she said in this, well, whatever, these two interviews. I'm just happy to be alive. And I want people to know that this isn't a sad story. This has a happy ending. I'm alive, and I get to be with my kids and my husband. If I didn't have my faith, I don't know where I'd be today. There's just no possible way that I could have gotten to where I am without Christ. There was just this presence of God around me that told me this was going to be okay. These are the cards that I've been dealt and these are the hands I'm going to play.
It was the only way to save my life. And I've just never questioned. I've just felt that God, I've just never questioned. I've just felt that God somehow chose me for this to happen. And he was going to use me in a big way. And we're not done yet. Do you think God chose her? She does, she said it. Do you think God wanted to use her? She does. And I, I do, it's just my opinion, but I agree with her. I don't think God caused septic shock. I don't think God wanted her to lose half her legs and half her arms. But I do think somehow God steps in in moments of darkness. It's hard to explain much more than that, I think. I think when we start to, it gets, we get lost. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I think, and more importantly, this woman thinks that God provides light in moments of desperate darkness. And he also asks us to be the light for others. I mean, I wonder, there had to be some people who read that article or another version of that article who themselves are going through some terrible medical trial. They're carrying some very heavy cross. They're suffering. And then they read her story. <laughs> and then they took a step back off the ledge. And they kind of caught their breath. Doesn't mean their situation is not bad. They just found some hope in this woman's story. And I think somehow, some way, God is all over that. It's the classic question that Job, first reading, wrestles with why bad things happen to good people. He was a good person, Job is. I don't even really think he was probably literally, historically a, a person. But it's this, again, this wildly true story. Probably symbolic, doesn't really matter. The truth of it is what matters. He's this good person whose life is assaulted by just horrendous suffering. It's most of the book of Job. Like you can't, you can't make it up how much bad stuff happens to this good guy and how he deals with it 
how he receives it, how it shape, shapes him. He's tested by it. And it's really affected his outlook, and it's not a good one. He's pretty down. It says, isn't man's life on earth a drudgery? I shall not see happiness again. Oh, I don't know, but if I was that woman, that nurse, and I was faced with that, I, I don't know, I might be saying to myself, I shall not see happiness again. You see these commercials, the, the wounded warrior, tunnel for towers commercials, the profiles of these sometimes terribly wounded warriors. And you, can, you see that you know, the level of injury is, is permanent and they're now you know, significantly dependent on others and will be forever. But they seem to manage a smile. They seem to manage hope. So you got Job, who, man, he can't see any light. He is hopeless. And then you get this nurse from Kentucky who's lost all her limbs. And she says, this isn't a sad story. It actually has a happy ending. She's like the anti-Job. And I think those, many of those warriors that are profiled, same thing, they're like anti-Jobs. Remember Stephen McDonald, the police officer who was shot back in the 80s. Most of us know his story. I mean, I met him a number of times. Was at a number of uh, assemblies and schools over the years when he spoke. Not too many years before he died, down the block at Long Beach Catholic. He was like an anti-Job. This guy who couldn't scratch the nose on his face because he was paralyzed from the neck down. And he communicated light and hope. Where did, they, where did, where did these anti-Job people get what they've got? Where's that come from? Do they just have a positive outlook? I don't think so. I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe they're kind of born with a glass half full, more than glass em half empty approach. But it's gotta be more than that. It's the gospel. There's no coincidence that we've got this story of Job. Isn't man's life on earth a drudgery? I shall not see happiness again. That's the first reading. And the response to it tonight is Jesus healing and helping people whose lives have become a drudgery, but they're people that were brought to him or somehow got themselves to him. Him is the operative principle. They get to him and they find hope and there's healing. That's what made Stephen McDonald inspiring. 
I think it's why the woman in that article has a smile on her face. It's the power of what Jesus does. When it was evening, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door and he cured many who were sick with various diseases. For this purpose, he said, I have come. He's the one. He's the one that allows that nurse to smile. You know, I had two baptisms this morning. She's cute little, adorable little, a little boy and a little girl. And I was talking to their parents, you know, at the ceremony, and I'm like, they are either gonna, these two will either know who Jesus is or not because of you four. I know grandma and grandpa, they're sitting on this side of the church and you'll be an influence, but if mom and dad aren't living Jesus, neither will these two little kids. Peripheral, peripheral people can help, but man, it's gotta be the primary teachers. So if you don't teach these two about who he is, what happens, God forbid, if one of these becomes like the people in the gospel, like the nurse, like whatever, whatever all the bad that can happen, we're all so vulnerable. I was watching this video, um, the Knights of Columbus put out this video, it's pretty cool, I'm, I'll try and put it on the, uh, Beach Catholic website. It's about this uh, priest. He was a uh, Korean War chaplain, Father uh, Emil Capone, or Capon, I think. He was uh, from Kansas. And he, uh, it's this hero story. Um, it's a POW, North Korea, and uh, saved lives. Um, never carried a gun, wasn't allowed to as a chaplain, but these uh, stories of like, almost like Rambo-like heroism. C crawling through combat, dragging wounded guys to safety, carrying them on his back. Torturous experiences as a POW, starvation, they were freezing unbelievable health challenges for all these POWs. And this guy just was this source of light in this desperately dark place. He said he'd go out, somehow would get out of his area, his cell, and he'd steal food and, and smuggle it back to these almost starving POWs traded his blanket for, uh, for food. Like saved guys' lives. Like some of them are still alive to talk about it. About 10 years ago, President Obama awarded posthumously, he got the Medal of Honor. And there were these old men who were there who knew this priest. And they said he was the difference. 
They said, we wouldn't have made it. It was so terrible. The conditions were so atrocious. And this guy continued to be a source of light and hope, encouragement. As one guy said, he saved my life just by the work he did over there. He gave me faith and he inspired me to live. Like these people of the light, these hopeful forces, when you need it, when you're lost. I had a conversation not too long ago with a, a person who was telling me about their experience of uh, Al-Anon. They grew up in a, in a house with, uh, both parents were alcoholic. And uh, originally it was, it was the father and he was a desperate alcoholic. And eventually the mother, to kind of cope with the struggles of living with an alcoholic, became one. And this guy said, I was a teenager or a young adult, and we were, it was like we did nowhere to go, and he discovered Al-Anon, just this place to, to be with other people who were going through what they were going through. And the support and the power and the hope that came from that, it was like, I'm not crazy, I'm not losing my mind. This is not okay, the, the family, this, the dynamics that we're living in here. And having other people who had been there and gone through it was the difference. I've talked to people over the years who, who've battled cancer and the, 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 the support they got from others who had been through it. Yeah, you appreciate, of course they did the, you know, the, the words of encouragement from other people but they didn't get it. They didn't know what it was like to lose your hair from chemo. They didn't know what it was like to be sick from chemo. But then there would be other people who did, who were there, who had gone through it. And they talked about the, the power of those people. Everybody else was appreciated, is, but this, these, these who've gone through it and been there, they're the difference these sources of hope, these sources of light, and how often they are Christ-fueled. How often these people say, yeah, I, I mean, I am the way I am because of him. No doubt this priest who is now on the, on the road to being a saint, the Medal of Honor winner, will probably be a saint one day. His cause is being worked right now. Or that nurse, mother, and wife. That picture of her. It's like when I first looked at it, the first thing I saw was like, it was kind of jarring. It's this person without limbs. And you know what was more jarring? It was the smile on her face. This Christ-fueled smile. And it's like, pursue that smile. <laughs>